Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast, episode 19. It's time for another episode of Questions with Rachel. Today, Rachel's asking me all about my new book, Sleeping with a Stranger, which will be available in stores and online April 7th, 2020. We're talking about what I had to sacrifice to get this book written, what it really means to find balance and take care of yourself before you take care of anyone else, and how I'm feeling about making my carefully guarded personal life so public when the book launches. Here's a hint. Every day I wake up and tell myself there's still time to pull the book. (laughs) If you're ready for some honest conversation and even a few book sneaks, keep listening. Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast with your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you. Today's questions with Rachel is going to be all about the book. I cannot wait to get into it with you. So book, deep, sneaky questions about the book. I want to give everyone the inside scoop. I kind of have an inside um, view of the book myself. So I've read it so I can ask all the questions and you have to answer them because this is not pre-rehearsed. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start easy. So we just came off of the know your numbers launch, which is, um, our course all about annual planning and kind of goal setting. I am actually looking at my own vision board and my goals right now because they're set up around my workspace. Um, just like you recommend. Oh, it's going so well. Can I just say that those, the students who invested in that, that are going through it right now, like already just through module one, like the changes they're seeing and just their, their change and their mood and their confidence and their hope. Like it's, it's such a life transforming program. I just, I, I just get so excited anytime anyone goes through it. So it's really cool to lead like a, like a, a large group of people through it. It's really, it's just, it's exciting. Yeah, it's so cool. I my husband does it with me because it's he saw like last year we went through it together and he saw how valuable it was and so now we just do it every year. And it's so fun to do together. So I want to know part of the process is figuring out what your goals are. Like what are those things that if you didn't have to think about the how, just the what, what would those goals be for you? And so one of them kind of for you started to become writing a book. Can you tell me about when um, writing a book started to show up on your vision boards as something that you would want to do one day? And I'll ask some follow-up questions, but just talk me through that. Like, was it something you always knew you wanted to do? Was it part of a five-year plan or was it something that just kind of snuck up on you? So we have a a new podcast series that's called uh, Sleeping with a Stranger Under the Cover, where we kind of go behind the scenes uh, with the book in, you know, a little bit more detail of, you know, the making of it and everything. But the short answer of that, as far as the vision board, it was my 2019 vision board. Um, I just put a picture of like somebody writing like a, like in a big journal, um, which to me represented writing the book because I'd started to get like growing feelings of meaning that, just more intense feelings of like, you're, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. And I didn't really want to do it at that time. I had other things, you know, on my mind that I wanted to accomplish. Um, but it was kind of one of those things, you know, how you always have something that you, maybe it's, you know, that you wanted to make some kind of photo album or something, or you wanted to like get your child's baby book up to date or something. And you're just like, I'm going to do that one day. Like, that's kind of how the book felt to me. It was like, "Eh, one day, but there was just like this growing feeling of, I think you're supposed to do that sooner than later. And so I kind of just put it on the vision board as like, well, if everything else kind of fails, then maybe I'll work on this. But I wasn't like, 
I guess the, the, the dream of like having finished the book was really what I was putting on there. It wasn't like the process of writing it and, you know, all that, like that doesn't excite me, but like having a finished book excites me. <laughs> so in order to finish it, you have to write it. So that's what was on the vision board. And that got on my vision board on t- 2019. It had never been on there prior to that. I just looked at my past vision boards. It, it had never been on there prior to that. So you were more inspired by the thought of having written a book than actually writing a book. Yeah, because the book, like there's things that I want to do in my life. You know, like I want to run a marathon before I turn 40. You know, there's there's goals that I've had, but I've never really viewed myself as an author. So for me, this was just something that I felt strongly that I was supposed to do. And I kind of was ready to get that, you know, like check marked kind of. Mm-hmm. So, but it's interesting. You've got to kind of listen to those curiosities that come into you or that voice that comes in because that that's actually leading you to your path. Like my path probably is not to be an author and have like five books, but you know what I mean? But, but I'm supposed to write this one and I don't know what's going to come after that, but, um, I don't know. It's just, you've got to kind of listen to that and follow, follow those voices or those kind of crumbs of curiosity. So how do you know when it's time to focus on something? Like if you have something in the back of your head for a while, is it mostly your gut that tells you, okay, now it's time for it to come to the forefront? Or how do you navigate like just wanting to do something versus it being something on your vision board for the year, something that you're actively working towards, like checking in weekly with how the progress is going, stuff like that? So for me, I think that God speaks to me in whispers. I think then it it gets a little louder if I don't listen and it can get a little louder. And I believe that that being spoken to can happen in a, in a, in a series of ways. Um, it can, you know, if, if you need to take care of your health and you don't listen, then, you know, it could, you could get in an accident and nothing could happen, but that accident was you being spoken to a little louder. Like, really, you need to, you're not promised forever, like get it together. And then if you still don't listen, then maybe you get in an accident where you've broken your leg. It can speak to you louder and louder. And for me, I don't want to get to the point where something like that has to happen. Like that, those kinds of things I've seen happen before to people that I love, to me personally, and I don't want to see that happen. And so I think I've had enough life experience at this point where I can kind of sense that feeling of like, okay, this is getting louder and I don't need to push this down and I don't need to ignore it. Like I need to start acknowledging it. And sometimes even if I don't know how it's going to get done, I, just even verbally talking about it, I think helps uh, the next step of not having to be shouted at. You know what I mean? Like uh, just by saying, you know, like my therapist saying, I think I'm supposed to write this book and or something or talking to Brian about it and being like, I don't really know how that's going to happen or when it's going to happen. But I just I'm getting these stronger feelings that it's supposed to happen. And um, like just acknowledging it and not shoving it down. I know it's really hard because you are very in tune with your gut. But if you were someone who's like just kind of learning how to listen to your gut or, you know, for people who are spiritual, it might be the Holy Spirit or, you know, whatever you want to call it, that kind of those gentle nudges internally. How do you start like being open to that if that's not something you're used to? Like I would say our husbands, and this is a big plot point of the book, your husband, um, does have some health crises because he isn't listening to his body and he's not taking care of himself. And that's not the whole story, but that's a part of it. And um, so, you know, there are definitely people like Brian, like my husband who like, it's not necessarily second nature to them to think about, okay, what do I want? Like what's next? What, where am I leaning? They could probably do the same thing every day and be really happy. but like, how would you encourage someone like Brian to kind of start being more open to those leanings? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, we have to recognize that we are all different. We're all going to 
experience these things differently. I think you have head people, you have heart people, you have gut people. You know what I mean? There are and and Brian is a is a head person. You know, like he's really logical and really realistic. And I am I'm a bit of all three, but at the end of the day, head is the last one. You know what I mean? I know how to be logical and realistic and I mean you, you don't become a businesswoman without some of that, but you also don't grow to the scale we've grown without risk, which is all heart. Like that's all heart. And then you don't uh, make some of the decisions I've made without just knowing in your gut that that's what you're supposed to do. And um, I think it all boils down to knowing that no matter what kind of person you are, head, heart, gut, you and me, we all have a purpose. And the purpose, what we have to understand, here's what you have to understand. Your purpose may not be this big thing that all eyes are going to be on you. And um, uh, your purpose might even be helping someone else get like for right now, like this story is meant to get out. This book is meant to get out. And there are lots of people in my life right now that are helping make that happen. Like part of your purpose, you know what I mean? Um and that, that that doesn't mean that you have like one end-all be-all purpose, but there is a purpose for your entire life. And everything that you're going through now is preparing you for the next thing. And I think if you can look at your life that way, that really helps. Like that kind of takes the pressure off, you know, and um, knowing that, you know, right now I may not be exactly where I want to be but it's because I'm not fully prepared to be there. Like when I got my first six-figure wedding, I wanted that three years before I got it. But if I'd gotten that three years before I got it, I would have failed. I would have failed and then no one would have ever hired me again and my business would have been done. So by being patient and, and continuing to be prepared, then when the opportunity came, we were very successful at it. I think the most important thing that every single person can do is you have to have time to be quiet every day, every day, even if it is just five minutes, you have to, have to, have to do it because you are never going to hear that voice or that, or, or that next step isn't going to become clear with noise. And if you are constantly, you know, from the moment you wake up, you're checking your phone and then you're listening to a podcast while you're taking a shower and then you're listening to music while you're running and then you get in your car or you're on the subway and you're listening to another podcast and then you come home and you're watching TV and then before you go to bed, you're watching YouTube. You know what I mean? If you're constantly consuming, then you're never going to hear it. You're never going to hear it. And I don't mean like audibly hear it. I mean... There are days that I go, I mean, what am I doing in my life? Like, what am I doing? What's the next step? And if I am not taking time every day to be still and be quiet, then I'm going to start thinking that. My mind is going to kind of start going through that tailspin of like, what am I doing? What am I supposed? What's the next step? But if I take time every day to be quiet and still, I just don't think that way. I just automatically kind of do what I'm supposed to do that day and have more peace about my life. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. It kind of slows the hamster wheel. And so you're not like, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? You're more okay with being who and where you are. Um, And I want to point out that that doesn't necessarily come naturally to you. Like it's not natural for you to be still or quiet. You're someone who's very focused, very driven. Um, and so, and very futuristic, right? Like that's number two strength is if you do, uh, I'm a big, uh, strength finders fan. And if you take that test and you, you get your top five strengths, my number two strength is futuristic. So I'm always thinking ahead and thinking of the future and, and meditation is fully in the present. Mm -hmm. And that is a, something that I have to work on every day, but I'm committed to working on it every day. But I think it's great that you recognize like being driven and being focused and being futuristic can be your best trait, but it can also be your worst trait. It can be the thing that kind of sends you into a tailspin. Um, and so totally. I think it's great that you know yourself well enough um, to know 
like you need both. You need to heighten your strengths, but you also need to balance them out to and be grounded. Um, and if you, if you're listening and you want to know, um, if you're not sure sort of what you lead with, whether it's your head, your heart, or your gut, um, then the Enneagram is a great tool for that. Um, one of our, Jess and my, both of our favorite resources is The Road Back to You. It's a book about the Enneagram. It's a great like beginner stepping stone for that. And it can give you some great insight into how you might be oriented towards time. So Jess, for example, is a three. And so threes are very future oriented. They think about the future a lot. Um, so that kind of plays into that whole personality dynamic. And when you know those things, you know, like Jess knows, okay, I might have to be more mindful about being in the present because it's my, in my nature and my personality to want to constantly push forward. Um, and sometimes I have to trick my brain a little bit and actually say to myself, like, okay, I know this isn't what you want to be doing right now, but by doing this, your future is going to be better. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, it's like uh, not tricking my brain, but reminding myself that like, I'm able to still think in a forward way, right? which I'm naturally, that's just how I am. Naturally, it's how I was born, but it's, I'm able to be like, by doing this, the future will be better. So sit down <laughs> and be still. Right. <laughs> Got to get sneaky with your own brain. Yeah, kind of. Um, okay. So now I want to ask you, um, has there ever been a time with the book or with other, other goals when you've thought it would be kind of one of the big goals for your year and then other things kind of took precedence or maybe as you, as you um, did start to prioritize writing the book this year, were there other goals that kind of fell by the wayside and how do you get your head around being okay with that? Recognizing that you can't do everything. And sometimes the goals that you start with won't be the goals that you end with. And when is it like, that's okay. And when do you have to say, oh, no, I'm really getting off track and I need to refocus and actually do the things that I said I was going to do. Okay, well, here's, uh, this is kind of a problem for me because I am an achiever and I also count it a really big responsibility. There's not a day that goes by that I don't take my platform seriously, meaning I know that I have some people that listen to me and I want them to know how, how much I appreciate them and how I'm doing this because I feel called to do this or led to do this. And, and I, we need to have trust in one another. And so oftentimes what I'll do is I'll say things like we're launching the podcast November 4th. And I'll say that in June to make sure, because if I, if I tell my audience that, then I'll do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think it's, I think it's a bad deal when, when there, you know, are people in, uh, that have platforms that constantly kind of are like every Tuesday, I'm going to do this. And then it's like, they do it for two Tuesdays and they're like, well, that didn't, you know, like I, I have a hard time wanting to invest more in that person. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm like, where was the follow through there? Where was the commitment there? And so for me, if it's a project that I really want to do, I oftentimes announce it like on all of my, you know, social media and on a newsletter and on my blog and all that. Cause that way that like makes me follow through with it. But because I do that, I, and I'm not saying this is always the healthiest thing, but this is just kind of who I am. Like, for example, when the book came into play, we had just finished a BBB launch, the Business Behind the Blooms launch. And we had five weeks, maybe four and a half weeks until the podcast launched. And I was going to take a week off and then go full into podcast. And then after the podcast launch, we were going to go full into Know Your Numbers And then I was going to take the month off of December. Well, um, when we got the book deal, it was okay. So now I'm going to take a week to do or some time for the book. And so everything's getting pushed back, which meant instead of this December, my family and I going, we were going to go to Finland 
um, for Christmas, which I was so excited about because um, nothing excites me more than a trip abroad. Um, but we were going to go there and I just was like, no, we can't because I've said that these things are happening. I've said, no, your numbers will be available in January. I've said the podcast will be done November 4th or launching November 4th. And I've also now gotten this opportunity to write this book and I'm going to make it happen. And so in that situation, it's like, what do you really want? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you willing to do to achieve what you want to achieve? Now, if the book wasn't important to me, or if I hadn't have said that about know your numbers, then maybe we still would have gone on that vacation, right? But for me, I told students about the podcast and know your numbers. So those were happening. And I'd just gotten this opportunity for the book and I wanted the book to happen. And so in order to make that happen, everything had to be pushed back. So instead of going on vacation, I had to do all the know your numbers work through the month of December. This is the first December that I've worked in five years, but I'm willing to do that. And I was willing to do that because I wanted to get this book out in April. And I'm, I'm someone who's willing to do that every now and then. But then there are times in my life where something happens and I go, you know what, that just doesn't fit in. Like, these are my boundaries and my business is very black and white and that's kind of gray. And I'm happy to say no to that because, um, and it could have been an opportunity that, you know, I, I, I get that all the time with like speaking engagements that I say no to because it just doesn't fit with the what we're doing that time of year or something. But this was something I knew we needed to make happen. And so I was willing to make that adjustment. And so I think that's kind of what it boils down to. Like, and I also kind of come from the place sometimes, and this is again, futuristic, but like, I want to do something today that my future self will thank me for later. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I knew if April came along this year and the book wasn't done, that I'd be like, really? Like you had an opportunity to knock that out. And yeah, you would have had to work and a few more hours a day and you would have had to, you know, give up your vacation, but that, that probably would have been worth it. You know what I mean? And you've certainly said no to things because you prioritize other things. Like you've said no to super lucrative weddings because you don't want to work um, in July or, you know, things like that. Yeah. So sometimes it means saying yes to something because, you want to say yes to what you want most and not what you want now. And sometimes it means saying no to things because you have created boundaries where you've committed to prioritizing family. And here's the other thing uh, that, you know, people like to talk about balance. And here's what I want to say about balance. People go, oh, balance is a unicorn. Like it doesn't exist. Yeah, it does. And here's what I mean by that. Balance is different for everybody. Like if you look up the word balance in the dictionary, it says uh, equal parts distribution to to keep you upright and steady. So for me, for me to be upright and steady means like I'm good. I'm feeling good. Like I'm I'm happy and I'm good with my life. And uh, for me, that doesn't mean that I'm going to work 12 hours a day and then have a personal life 12 hours a day. You know, it's not like equal parts in the day. It's like for me to feel upright and steady, do I need to work? Yeah, I sure do. For me to feel upright and steady, do I need to have seasons of hustle and seasons of downtime? Yeah, I do. And so like, I'm okay with October, November, December, January, February, March being extra, you know, extra hours and a little bit more hustle in the work department, knowing that, you know, April, May, June, July, August, September will be calmer, that there's really nothing on the calendar. You know what I mean? For those. And that, and, and that I'm not putting anything on there right now. And so just figuring that out for you, Sherry Salata said that in her book and we did a podcast episode with her, but it's, there's, Everyone has a way to do things. There's a million programs out there. We, this this applies to everything: education, fitness, food. You've got to get out there and and uh, consume these different ways, and then take bits and pieces and create your own program. So, like, what is it for you that keeps you feeling upright and steady? And it might be that 
not working at all makes you feel upright and steady. It might be that working 90% of the time makes you feel upright and steady. Like, what is it that makes you feel upright and steady? And then being okay with that. Like, just owning who you are and what you need and not comparing yourself to other people. Mark your calendar for April 7th. It's book launch day. If you want details on my upcoming book tour, like cities I'll be visiting, how you can meet me in person and get a signed copy of the book, you've got to get your name on the list. This list, it's going to get you the VIP treatment. We've got awesome bonuses prepared, but only for those who have signed up. Go to sleepingwithastranger.com to become a VIP today. That's sleepingwithastranger.com. People usually think of balance as what time are you delegating to your personal life and what time are you delegating to work? And I think it's a fallacy to say that there are only those two things, you know, like there are sectors and categories in your life that are like sort of work, sort of personal. And some that are like, like mental health, for example, you can't work if you're not taking care of your mental health. So you can't just put that in the personal category. So when it says like equal parts balance or whatever, um, or equal distribution, it's not just between work and personal, like there's so many different subsects of those things. Um, and so you just have to find, like you were saying, the right combination of time and energy investment into each of those categories. Um, that works for you. And I think for me, the, the most important thing that I do every single day, and this might be controversial because I have young kids and people might be like, what? But for me, the most important thing that I do every day, the thing that I have to do before I do anything else is take time for me. I have to uh, do my devotional, do my meditation and exercise. And once I have done those things, then and only then can I give to anyone else or do for anyone else. So I'm not a great mom if I haven't done those three things. I'm not a great wife if I haven't done those three things. I'm not a great team member if I haven't done those three things. I'm not a great friend. I'm not a great daughter. Like that is my number one, just most crucial thing that I have to do before I do anything else. And if I let that, and I know that, and and I'm committed to that. And if I let that slide man, do I see the effects. And that's the other thing is you kind of have to grow up and and really look at yourself and go, what do I need? Like, what, what do I need? Do I need therapy? Do I need exercise? Do I need to be eating better? Do I need more, you know, personal time with friendships? Um, like if I died tomorrow, who's coming to my funeral? Not that that's what it's all about, but it's like, you know, I mean, there was a time when I asked myself that and I was like, I don't really, I don't really know. My parents probably would, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I just hadn't really nurtured friendships for a while because I was so in my business and I thought, oh, that's no way to live, you know? So really figuring that out, like, and that's a big part too. I know we're not here to talk about know your numbers, but it's a big part of module one with know your numbers is really kind of figuring out those things that you and only you need. And let's figure those out. Let's get them written down and then let's, let's, let's cater to those. So then we can really start to live our best life. Because once that's taken care of, everything else has a way of falling in line. It really does. And I think it's really tempting. Like, even when I hear that, my first reaction is still, I don't want to be selfish. And I don't know if that's a woman thing, just that like prioritizing yourself is inherently selfish. And I know that, like you've said this, we hear it time and time again, but that you have to put you have to take care of yourself if you're going to be able to take care of any anyone else. You have to put the oxygen mask on first before you can put your kids on. Like if you can't breathe and you have passed out and you have died, like what who's going to take care of your kid? You know, like you got to put on the oxygen mask first. And and I think that people do view it as selfish when really it's the most selfless thing that we can do. It really is like, I mean, I, okay. Think about this. Your husband, like Brian is so much better when he does this, when he exercises and he takes time to meditate and do, and, you know, be in the word, like he's such a better person. And so I actually think it's selfish of him not to do that 
because he's not his he's not the best husband or the best father or a great friend or whatever when he hasn't done that. It's kind of like if I were to give you a present and I went and bought it at Target. I could give it to you in the Target sack. And it's it's still the, you'll, you'll get the present, you'll open it up and or what if I spent 5 minutes or 10 minutes and I thought like, oh, Rachel loves, I don't know, what color do you love? Give me a color. Black. <laughs> Rachel <laughs> loves the color black. And so I found this like black, amazing, like linen paper and I knew she'd love it. So I'm going to wrap it with that. And then I found this amazing like textured silk ribbon that um, I know she's going to love and I'm going to like calligraph her name and it's going to, even though I don't know how to do that, but what if I did? Um, and it's going to be like, like the, the present, I'm, it's the same gift whether it's in the Target sack, that plastic sack that has a hole in it, you know, whether you get it in the Target bag or in this beautiful, you know, wrapped gift, it's the same thing, but it's just the way it's presented. I feel you you are going to feel more loved, more thought of, more important, more appreciated with the black linen, beautiful paper. You know what I mean? Yeah. And let's just be like, let's get really nitty gritty. I mean, when you were first starting your business, your kids went to like a daytime. um, I mean, it wasn't, it was like a, not, I wouldn't even call it daycare, but it was like, they went to a school, like, and they were with other people who weren't you. Yeah. And and they still do. My boys still go to that same preschool. Yeah. And my kids are with our incredible, like fifth family member, Anaya, who takes the best care of them. And so I can work so I can do this right now. And I think it would be like, my first reaction is, oh, it's selfish of me to work. But really, the truth is, who do I think I am that me like angry and regretful and thinking of all the things I wish I was doing with my life? in addition to being a mom, like it would be so selfish of me to think that that version of me is what my kids deserve. Um, Okay. So here is a question about the book and sort of business. And you've always been, even as I've known you between last year, when I first started working for you and now you've always, you'd started off pretty private you had really strong, strict kind of black and white boundaries between what you would talk about, post about, share, what was kind of on the table for the business and for your public presence and what was off the table. And I even remember as I was your, when I was your student and I didn't work for you, I remember hearing that Brian had been sick and not really knowing what that meant And that was pretty much your line. Like it never really went beyond that. And now you're about to release a book in a few short months that details that whole thing. You're just blowing up. (laughs) You've built out about keeping your private life separate. So how do you decide now going forward, kind of like what your boundaries are, what you're willing to share about what's off the table, what's on the table? Um, Because it's going to totally change from April forward about what's public. And yeah, just talk to me about that. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm very private, except like, if you're one of my really close friends, and I trust you, I'll I'll tell you everything you want to know, you know, or any, I'll share everything with you. I'll share, you know, my, my, finances. I'll share about my sex life. Like I'll share, there's nothing off the table, you know, but I, uh, there are very few people in my life that I have that kind of relationship with. And I think it probably goes back a little bit to my childhood of anytime I would, you know, express something that wasn't the same as someone else's view or something. I, I just felt judged And so, listen, I have a specific way of thinking and I've got a specific, you know, like I'm, I'm firm with, with who I am. I, and I am very much at a place where I just think everyone like 
has the right to feel the way they feel. And I have zero judgment towards anybody. Like I, I, one of my favorite things is like opening up and having conversations with people who have completely different lives than I do and completely different backgrounds and learning from them. Like, I think it's really fascinating. And, um, but I think there's probably a big part of me who, um, you know, didn't share a lot about my private life, you know, on social media and things like that, because I don't know, there's part of me that's like, it's no one's business. And there's another part of me that doesn't, doesn't want anyone else's. I have a hard time with that sometimes. Like, for example, I shared in module one of note your numbers. I gave some examples of, you know, it was like, what are some things that didn't go so well? Um, this past year for you personally, like that's one of the prompt questions. And I shared some of my answers from the past several years. And like one of the things I said was, I said a few years ago, you know, I didn't prioritize friendships like I should have and stuff. And then I immediately start getting messages, like giving me tips about (laughs) how to prioritize friendships. And I think honestly, like I come from a place where it's like, sometimes people just need to share and other people need to listen. Like we are so quick to just come back with a um, response and, and want to like, everyone's an expert and everyone wants to give their opinion. And while it's appreciated and I know that it comes from a place of kindness, like I was kind of like, did you even listen to the module? Because I said this was a few years ago and I even shared how like, I've got four amazing friends, you know, right now and I've gone on trips with them and like, like, did you even listen? Did you listen? Like, that's the key there. And, um, and I, you know, I have a problem sometimes being told what to do and, uh, I don't, I don't love that. Um, that's just me being totally honest. But, and so sometimes by being that vulnerable about your private life, it's one thing to be vulnerable in business because I have the like proof to back it. You know what I mean? It's like, you can not believe me that this works, but here I've got like the numbers to prove that it does. I've got the, yeah, you've, you've set yourself up as the authority yeah, like you're the educator. to show it. I've got the, you know, hundreds of testimonies that show that what I'm saying works, but in my private life, like you're just, I feel like you're just debating and I hate debating. Like I ha- like I have a family member who it doesn't matter what you say, they could fully agree with you, but they're going to debate debate it for the sake of it. Like, cause it's like a fun sport to them and I can't stand that. And so, um, I think it's scary to share your private life because it, I mean, the, listen, the, the beginning part, it's funny. Cause when you read the book, there's probably going to be parts that you're like, Oh, this is probably what she was worried about people judging her. It probably isn't. There's one part in the book that I'm like, oh, I wish no one knew this about me. And I I wish we could take it out. But I know that it's needed. I know it's needed. But for me, I'm like, I cringe at the thought of anyone knowing that about me. But I also just feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to share this story and I'm supposed to share the whole story. And I am going to be obedient and, and do that. Um, because this is, it's just much bigger than me. Like this book and this story is so much bigger than me. It happened to us so that, because we, we would be willing to share it. And, and I have a responsibility to that because if we went through it and we didn't share it, then what, what was it all worth? You know what I mean? And so I'm able to look at that, but there's not a day that goes by that I, don't wake up and go, Oh gosh, you're just a few weeks out from this being in people's hands. Like you can still get out of it. You know, like it hasn't gone to print yet or what, you know, like I, I think that every day and then every day I have to talk myself back into it because it, it it's scary to share your personal life. But I think that's really what it all boils down to. It's a fear of being judged. And if somebody, you know, coming to you and saying, I don't like the way you did that, or you know what you should have done. And I, and it, it really, I hope that I become a better listener as well with people that I, and this is even a story in the book. This is a part of the book about this. Um, But I just want to become a better listener. And when people are struggling, just say, I'm sorry and be there for them and not necessarily feel like I have to come back with all of this advice. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's an ongoing theme in the book of the struggle of, 
um, specifically when you're in a caretaker situation, but also in, in any situation of just, yeah, asking, you know, a, a, a nice tool that I've figured out and obviously not perfected, but asking, do you want me to listen? Do you want advice or do you want me to share my similar experience Mm -hmm. and like let the person pick because one day it might be one thing and the next day it might be another so I you know sometimes if I'm talking to my mom I'll say mom today I want you to listen tomorrow you can give me advice (laughs) and it might just be a day in between but I imagine it must be so scary to to yeah share the things that you're probably most critical towards yourself about and invite criticism or commentary or well-meaning but still frustrating suggestions from the entire universe. So I think it's really um, courageous that you're willing to navigate that without really knowing all the answers. Yeah, it's scary, <laughs> but it's it's okay. I it ju- I just have to come from a place of uh, this isn't. It's no longer about me. Like this is this isn't about me. I have to think of it that way. That it's just a story that was given to me to share, and I'm just kind of the vessel to get it out there. And that's the only way I can think about it. Because if I think about it any other way, then it's just it's overwhelming. And I hope people give me the same kind of love and grace and acceptance that that I feel like I now give people. If you want to build a great business or live a good life, you've got to plan for it. Every year, I take a whole month to reevaluate the past 12 months and figure out what worked, what didn't, and how I can create a life I love for the following year. I teach you my exact planning process in my program, Know Your Numbers, annual planning for your best year. If you want a free training to get some tips on planning your best year yet, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash Know Your Numbers. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash Know Your Numbers. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. You have done some book reading this year that's been well 2020 and also in 2019 that's been a newer goal of yours and especially as we were working on your book you know you've read some other books so what books have been really inspirational to you the best books that you've read in the past 13 months now that kind of prepared you mentally maybe made you think okay that's kind of what I want to do with with this book I think when I really started reading this year, it was after I wrote it. I honestly think I wrote it. And then I was like, well, I should probably read some, like, I should probably. <laughs> you know, because I knew that I didn't want to go into this full reading stuff before because I, I know how I am. And I would have been like, oh, so this is how this is the method of writing a memoir and this is the pattern or this is the each chapter should be about this many pages and I just didn't want any of that I just wanted to tell the story from beginning to end and then let an editor come in and say here's how they should be broken up into chapters or you know whatever um that my job was to get the story out and um but I did read some books afterwards and I read Sherry Salata's The Beautiful No, which I read it in a day and it was wonderful. I read Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. I read that in um in a day and it was wonderful. And that's kind of how I am. I'm kind of all in. Mm-hmm. It either like grabs me and I'm all in and I can't put it down, or I'm like, meh. Um I also read Call Me By Your Name. You which did? Was, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a beautiful story. I loved it. Um so yeah, so those are those are three books, and then uh, I want to read uh, this month. I'm reading City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert, and then next month I want to read Demi Moore's memoir because apparently she's got a story, man. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I heard her on an interview on Sirius XM, and I was like, "Whoa!" Was it the Howard Stern interview? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, she just sounds like she's been through it. She and it really gives, like, vulnerable to share all that. It like, but it, 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 it humanizes her. Like, it's like, oh, like I felt like if I'm, you know, you feel like if you meet her, 
you you connect you, I don't know you connect to people on a human level yeah I hope that's what people feel when they read sleeping with a stranger I hope they feel connection I hope they do too and I hope that they people who are listening now to this podcast because they're students of yours and they're part of our you know kind of existing audience I hope when they read the book they understand that like you are in it with all of us you know that it's that it's not easy for any of us yourself included and that you did what you did and you built what you built because you had to like it came from a place of survival like it does for so many of us who are building businesses I think about you know my mom was a single mom for a little while and I think of just people who have to they start big, scary, beautiful things because they have to. Mm-hmm. And you were right there. You built what you built because you had to. And I'm excited for that story to be told. I think it'll be really interesting for people who have only seen what's happened over the past five years, the business end, to go, to go oh my gosh, like all of this was going on during that time. I want to know just about you personally, not in your business, but um, you have changed a lot since January last year, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like January last year, and you can read all about it in the book, but you were in a place where you were kind of, you were angry and then you were numb and you were kind of just like, I I don't have anything left to give. Like I'm out of your your energy physically was depleted. Your adrenals were depleted. You're, you were just kind of like, okay, I, I've done all I can do in a lot of areas of your life. Um, so what do you think has shifted since January last year? Are you still in that place? I'm, that's a leading question because I know you're not. But, you know, kind of what has, what has changed? What's different now? I think the biggest thing that changes, I figured out how to take care of me. Like I was trying before by just, you know, exercising for an hour a day. Um, but I really got serious about that and was like, no, what do I have to do to take care of me? Which it involved not just exercise, but it involved um, learning how to fuel my body with food. It learned, you know, learning how to learning how to meditate, learning how to listen to my body. And when I need days off, um, from exercise, like maybe I just need to walk instead of running six miles or something. Um, and just uh, kind of just getting in tune with myself because once that starts to happen, like I said earlier, you're not on this hamster wheel. Like you, you're, you're, you're able to like step off the hamster wheel and just like look around and enjoy. And that only happened for me when, I kind of stopped taking care of everybody else and started to focus on me. And then when I got better, then I'm able to like be my best for everyone else. I, listen, I'm still very determined. I still, um, <laughs> there's some things that changed. There's some things that haven't, but I'm still uh, very determined and I'm, uh, I'm very driven and I'm going to, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. But there's also a part of me that is, a little bit more like, you know what? Like there's other ways for these things to happen. Like I don't have to kill myself to make everything happen. Like some things, maybe if I let them might come to me. Like what if I let the world help me a little instead of trying to do it all on my own? But I don't think I even realized that I was trying to do it all on my own. I don't think you did either, but I just had a mini epiphany listening to you as I think that as entrepreneurs, it's a very like male energy life to live. And that's where that like drive comes from and that persistence and just the conventional ways that we think of that and the way we tend to see it in like, if we imagine like a high power CEO type, it's a very male energy. And I think what you teach and what is so special. And I think what you've kind of stepped into, at least from my perspective in the past year of bringing a little bit of softness and female energy to that role that you'd already been living out. 
um, which I think is part of that. Like, I'm going to do what's mine to do, and then I'm going to let good things come to me. And getting to see from kind of the inside that happened for you this past year has been really cool. And I don't know if that would have happened. Like, if you hadn't slowed down enough to take care of yourself, to find silence every day, and to let good things come to you, I don't know if you would be where you are right now getting to release your first book. Yeah, I don't think I would be. And I think that that's such a powerful message. And I'm so glad I get to see it unfold and get to learn from it. Because I think you're one of the few people who is embodying that role and also teaching that, you know, you don't have to you don't have to be that archetype that we think of, of like a fast paced, high power entrepreneur type um, in order to live the life you want to live and to do the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. I think that, you know, I used to really think that in order to achieve things or to make things happen or um, that there, there was a certain number of, you know, check marks that had to be made during the day. And even though I have incredible boundaries and can, you know, only work five hours a day or so, I still was like, these are the three things I have to get done during this work day and, or this won't happen. And I think now I really kind of am able that like to realize there's also, there's also power in being a bit more passive. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Well, that is all of the questions I have for you for today. I am so excited in just a few short days, two days, that listeners will get another sneak peek into your book, Sleeping with a Stranger, that is in stores and online April 7th. Um, And we get to hear the full story um, that we've all been waiting to hear for years and years now. I'm excited. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks again to Rachel for another great week of questions with Rachel. I hope you feel encouraged to know yourself and examine your life for ways you can be taking care of yourself so you can show up as the person you were made to be for your family, for your business, and for yourself. And remember, if you have a question about life or business that you want me to answer, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash ask to send Rachel your questions. I'll see you next time. If you loved what you heard today, or even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.